Good morning. So for those of you that know myself and Beth, and one of the things you may know is that over the last two or three years, we've got into walking and fairly long distance walks as well. So over the last two years, we have walked um, the whole of the Thames path. So that's from the source, which is a dry field up in Oxfordshire, right out to the sea. Um, we've walked the North Downs Way. We've walked uh, the Ridgeway, which is up through the Chiltern Hills. Um, and then we've, we've just finished, this past summer, finished the Pembrokeshire Coast Path. So over the course of a couple of weeks um, in July, have I just gone off? Now I'm back again. We walked about 145 miles of the coastal path in a couple of weeks. The cumulative ascent and descent was about 30,000 feet. Obviously not in one go, but that, that's, that's kind of Everest in, in different stages. And so at the end of those two weeks, we were in good shape, just like now. I know we were in good shape. We then went up to North Wales, to Snowdonia, because I hadn't gone up Snowdon for about 30 years. And so Snowdon is about 1,085 metres, but we, were, we, were, we had good walking legs on. So we set off. The challenge was this. The day that we set off to walk Snowdon, the temperature was about 30 degrees Celsius. And we had a lot of water with us when we set off, but about two-thirds of the way up, water was gone. And I remember sitting down to have a rest, and I was looking up at the summit, and it was about another hour and a half's walk away, and I thought, I'm not going to make this. I, was, I, I feel, I, I get a little bit of heat exhaustion. I think it's probably the strain of my heart getting the blood to the top of my head. You know, I've got, has to go a little bit further. But I, I was just exhausted. I'll tell you what happened later. But I wanted to quit. You know, in life, there are some things that are good to quit, right? Some things that are not good for our health, they're good to quit. I'd suggest that gambling, good to quit. Some of you here follow football teams and rugby teams, and you're thinking, now's a good time to quit. If there are any Spurs fans in the house, it's good to quit. If you're a follower of Welsh rugby after yesterday's mauling by the All Blacks, now I'm going to be in big trouble with my wife after this, but good to quit. But there are other things in life where it's not good to give up. So maybe you're in a job that you just love. It's just kind of like it's fulfilling, you're doing something that's meaningful, um, but you hit some real challenges with a project or the people that you're working with, and you just think, I just, I just feel like walking away. Or maybe we hit a tough time in our marriage or with our children. Maybe we're following a God-given dream in some way in our lives, but then we come across some discouragement and disappointment, and we just want to throw in the towel. Maybe you used to be part of a church, and then you stopped doing that. In my experience, many people give up and miss out on the best that Jesus has for us. So I want to think this morning, is there another way? Is there another way that we don't have to give up? We've been thinking about how we can reset in our lives, that we don't have to go back to the way things were pre-COVID, but we can actually reset so that we become more of the people that we want to actually become. And if you're a follower of Jesus here today, that person is Jesus. That's who we want to become. If you're here today and you say, well, I'm not yet a follower of Jesus yet, I just want to say you are so welcome. We love that you're here. We love that you're spending this time with us. And I'm hoping that what you hear is something of the life that Jesus has for you. 
reality is, as we reset in area, any area of life, we will face challenges. There will be times when we want to quit. So how can we keep on going? How can we keep on going? I want to share some hope with us today. And then we're going to baptize some people. There's somewhere between, I think, two and three people getting baptized in this service and then seven at our 11.15 service. So those getting here early, get the cleaner water, but don't tell the 11.15 people that. It's still good. If you have a Bible, turn to um, the Old Testament, to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 6. Um, if you don't have a Bible, the words will come up on the screen in a moment. We've been looking at the life of Nehemiah. He was Jewish. He lived about two and a half thousand years ago at a time when a lot of the Jewish people were in exile in Babylon. And he had a good job, but God spoke to him and he said, go and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And so that's what Nehemiah did. He led the real building project. He was doing well. But there was some opposition, primarily from a couple of guys, Sanballat and Tobiah. What I'm going to do, just in the time we have, is I'm going to share four ways in which Nehemiah is challenged to give up and see what he did. Okay? And as you think about areas in your life where you're thinking, I've, I may be wanting to give up, I feel like quitting, let's see what wisdom we can find here. So, Nehemiah chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 1. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates. You know when you're doing a decorating project and you haven't put that last trim on? That, that's this bit, okay? Walls built, just hadn't put the doors in place. Uh, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message, Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. First challenge, distraction. Have you noticed how full our world is of distractions? Ofcom tell us that the average person in the United Kingdom checks their phone every 12 minutes. These things are wonderful technology, aren't they? But they are a portal to a world of distraction. And that's just one area where we can get distractions. Distractions cause us to lose focus and vision and purpose. And four times in this story, the enemy tries to pull Nehemiah away from what he was doing inviting him to Ono. Four times, Nehemiah said, Oh, no. Do you see what I did there? He says no to distraction. And in verse 2, Nehemiah knows that they were scheming. So the question is, is how did he know? Was that just a lucky guess? Was he like hacking their phones? How did, how did he know? What I believe is going on here is what we would call discernment. What is discernment? Discernment is something that is way beyond common sense. Discernment is a gift that God gives to us that enables us to take the swirl of distracting messages and to hold them up against the wisdom of God, against the Bible, the wisdom from the Holy Spirit, 
and the wisdom of wise Christian friends. And so I wonder this morning, what is distracting you from more fully taking hold of what God has for your life? And I'm asking myself that same question too, because I believe that Jesus can give us discernment to see that. And the second way that we respond to distraction is through dedication. Nehemiah knew that the things that he was wanting to do really mattered. They really mattered. So if you're someone, you're saying in this season, I'm going to reset financially, that matters. If you are resetting in a marriage, that matters. If you're resetting in your health, you're, you're wanting to more fully take hold of the dreams that you have for your life, those things matter. So what do you need to dedicate yourself to or maybe rededicate yourself to today? Take this moment to say, I'm going to dedicate to that. Reading on, verse 5. Then the fifth time Sanballat sent his assistants to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are rebuilding the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king, and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. Second challenge is personal slander. Personal slander. The enemy sends an open letter so that everyone can read it. And they accuse Nehemiah of plotting a revolt and of wanting to be king. And that was just untrue. That's not what he was doing. But it was an attack on his character. Have you ever been slandered? Misunderstood in some way? You know, there are times, aren't there, where there's honest critique. And that's okay. Just that hard, plain truth. And we need to hear that. But there are other times where it's just slanderous. And that hurts, right? That hurts. Attacks on our character, our motives, our intentions so easily lead us to want to quit, just to throw in the towel. And I love what Nehemiah prays. This is his response. Verse 9. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. In the New Testament, I was reminded of this as I was preparing this week. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that in our weakness, God's grace is sufficient. That his grace is enough. And so I believe that the best response to slander is to be in Christ. To be secure in his grace. Because in Christ, I know that I am loved. I'm accepted, I know that I am forgiven, and I know that I'm free. And I'm going to take a little diversion here because we see this very powerfully enacted in baptism, which we're going to see in just a few minutes' time. Water that we use here is highly symbolic. It reminds us that Jesus has washed all of our sin away. Water in the Bible is used symbolically of the Holy Spirit. But at the heart of what we're going to see in baptism today is something incredibly profound. And let me try and illustrate it this way. When you read the New Testament, the New Testament authors were trying to grapple with this new life in Jesus. Because this was new. And they were trying to say, well, how do we articulate that? 
And one of the phrases that they most often use is that when we give our yes to Jesus, we become in Christ. And so imagine this book is Jesus, and this little card is my life. This is your life. When we say yes to Jesus, this happens. So my life is now utterly secure in Christ. And it reminds us that what happened to Jesus happens to us. And so Jesus was died on the cross, he was buried, and then he rose again to glorious new life. And that's what we see profoundly enacted again in this baptism, Paul. Because a person will stand in the water, they will go under the water, we're identifying with the death to an old life, and we're rising again, and we in this church have a 100% record of people coming up out of the baptism pool. I say that in our prep classes just as a reassurance to the people that are exploring. We rise to glorious new life. This is a f- just a beautiful truth of what Jesus has done for us, that we are now in Christ. So when things come across us and we're misunderstood, misrepresented, our integrity is challenged, we can be secure because our lives are in Christ. Okay? The next challenge, reading from verse 10. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mahatabal, who was shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because some people are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said, should someone like me run away? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. What's going on here? Well, in the days when Nehemiah was living, only the priests could go into the temple. Everyone else was in the surrounding courtyard. Nehemiah was not a priest. But this guy comes to him and says, Nehemiah, things are so bad that what you need to do is come into the temple even if that compromises your integrity. This is what you need to do because things have got so bad. The third challenge is compromise. It's compromise. When we face challenges, it's so tempting to cut corners, isn't it? Really tempting to cut corners. Maybe you run a business, and this past 18 months has been really hard. And you know, right now, the government's printing money, isn't it? And so, um, when I get to my tax return, just cutting a few creative corners, that's all right, isn't it? Maybe uh, we're working from home. It's okay to take Fridays off, isn't it? I'm really efficient the rest of the week. Like, you wouldn't believe how efficient I am the rest of the week. I'm not getting much, as much physical affection in my marriage as I'd like. And so that connection that I've made online, I'll just explore that a little bit more because I deserve to be happy, right? And it's not a big deal in the 21st century, surely. See, in our culture, compromising our integrity is often not seen as a particularly big deal. I want to be clear this morning. I believe that it is a big deal to God. It is a big deal. 
And so to paraphrase, paraphrase Nehemiah's response, he simply says, no, I'm not going to do that. When I look in the mirror, the person that I want to see looking back to me is not that kind of person. I'm not going to compromise my integrity. And the last challenge, verse 15. The good news is the wall was completed on the 25th of Elel in 52 days. So they've done a remarkable building job here. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Also, in those days, the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah and replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. For many in Judah were under oath to him, since he was son-in-law to Shechaniah, son of Ara, and his son Jehonan had married the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. Moreover, they kept reporting to me his good deeds and then telling him what I said. And Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. What's going on? What's going on is that Nehemiah's crew had started hanging out with the enemy. And they'd started marrying them. And then they're coming back with reports saying, you know those guys that we thought were bad? They're really not that bad after all. And you can see the way, essentially, that Nehemiah's friends start to go missing in action. And it's a, it's a path towards this fourth challenge, which is loneliness. See, getting free of an addictive habit in life is really hard to do on our own. If it's hard to fight for your marriage if your spouse doesn't want to. It's hard, really hard, to reset a habit of overspending on your own. It's really hard to reset those kind of areas of life. So how do we respond? How can we respond? I'm going to suggest three things. The first is connect with others. If you want to explore connection here, grab one of our Connect cards, fill that in, come to the connection point at the end of the service. Not only will you get chocolate, but you'll be on a path towards connecting. If you've not been to one of our newcomer events, come and join us for lunch. If you're part of our church here, but not currently connected in a small group or a tri-group or one of our teams, get connected because life is too hard on our own. Come to the connect point. We would love to help you. The second thing is get help. In some of these areas of life, we're not going to make the best progress we can when we try and live it on our own. So here's just a couple of things coming up. On the morning of Saturday, the 27th of November, there is a marriage morning here at the church center. There is childcare provided as part of that. So for those of you that need that, book that. But I'd encourage you, book that in. And this is not just if you're struggling in marriage. This is if you're doing really well in marriage but want to do even better. Come and join us for that. And then a, couple, a week or so later on Tuesday, the 7th of December, um, the team are running the next money management evening. And again, this isn't for people that are just struggling. It's for everybody so that we can make great decisions in the financial matters of our life. So again, you can sign up for all of these things on our website. The third thing that I want to suggest, probably the best, it is the best thing that we can do, is look to Jesus. Simply look to Jesus. I'm going to close just by reading a few verses from Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. 
and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Do you see, this was written by the Apostle Paul. Do you see him saying, don't quit. Run the race with perseverance. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I think the reality is this, isn't it? Life at times can be really hard. can be really hard. Challenges can feel overwhelming, can feel insurmountable at times. But if we don't want to quit, we need to get some help done get some help in life and the best help possible. And I believe that the best help we will ever find comes from Jesus Christ. Because these verses that are written here say to us that even though Jesus was looking at the cross and the pain and the devastation of that, he didn't quit. He persevered. And so in me, for me in my life, the person that I want to look to is Jesus Christ. When I think about times where I want to quit and give up, I want to look to the one who gives me the ultimate example of what it means to not give up in this life. And the way that simply happens is as we turn around, we give our yes to Jesus and we open our hearts to him. And so I would love to just pray a prayer for us now, and then we'll baptize some people here. And this is for all of us, simply to say, whatever you're facing, whatever areas of life you're wanting to reset, you might feel at the point of quitting or giving up, but I believe there's hope here. And hope comes to all of us as we open our hearts to Jesus. So you may have been in that place for thousands of times. Give your yes afresh to him today. But for others, you may be here today and you've not given your yes to Jesus before. You might be wanting to reconnect with him. Again, make this prayer your own. So can I just invite us just for a moment just to bow our head. If, if you're online with us today, just take this moment to be present with Jesus. Lord, I don't want to be someone who gives up. But Lord, I know that I need help. Lord, I'm sorry for when I've tried to do life in my own way. I've done my own thing. I've lived life on my own terms. But I lay that down right now. I lay my life down and I open my heart to you. I'm sorry for the way I have tried to do life. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, thank you for the hope that comes in the gift and the presence of your Holy Spirit. And I say yes to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, can I just ask, as we've got our heads bowed, I'm just going to look around. If you've prayed with me for the first time today, or because you want to reconnect in a, in a friendship with Jesus Christ, could you just look up at me and catch my eye as I look around? Simply because I would love just you to know this moment was real, and I would love just to, have a, a, you know, to be able to connect with you at the end of our service. So if you've prayed with me for the first time, just catch my eye. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Those that have, come and find me at the end. Now, you might have forgotten my Snowden story. How did it go? Next slide. We didn't give up. You knew that. <laughs> we got there. 
We, we joined the half-hour queue to get a selfie at the top. <laughs> and then we came back down again. <laughs>